The Montreal Canadiens prospects were in Buffalo, where they played three games versus prospects of the Buffalo Sabres, the New Jersey Devils, and the Ottawa Senators, who looked great, who looked very good, who looked good, who looked average, who looked not so good, who looks like they'll never make it to the show. We'll discuss all of that and more with Graham McCagg, former Montreal Canadian scout and now of Recruits.ca. We'll do it coming up on the Sick Podcast. I'm Marinero. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Marinero. The Sickest Montreal Canadiens Podcast. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal, the Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Sports entertainment like no other. Brought to you by 8.6 Beer, Intense by Nature, and Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the Cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. Marinero, the sick podcast brought to you by 8.6 beer, intense by nature, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark and brought to you by Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you go back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. I'm going back to Lacage. So is the sick team. Many of our collaborators, because the sick podcast is going to get a whole lot sicker. We got some more sick news for you. 12 days until the big announcement. Join us at Lacage to carry for the sick news. It's on rude day jockeys. You can RSVP by calling them at 514-731-2020. One guy who I hope is going to be there, if he'll make the trek down, it's a couple of hours. Drive from Ottawa, Grant McCagg, what's going on? Hey, Tony. Oh, ready for the season. Oh, uh, good. And uh, so am I. And once again, thanks, everyone, for all their patience over the last three weeks where I was in Spain. And the uh, the uh, the Wi-Fi signal wasn't as strong as steady as you would, it would be here in Canada. So uh, I think uh, we got some uh, growing pains out of the way there, and I think we're good to go. All right, okay, good. Let's talk about this rookie showcase that took place in Buffalo. There were several teams there. And we'll start with, um, why don't we start with Emil Heineman? Because he's the one who opened the scoring in Buffalo, and he scored more than one goal. But let's take a look at the first goal for the Montreal Canadiens prospects. It's coming up right now. Harris, laisse du côté droit vers Neman. Le tir de but! Emile Neman, 1-0 Montréal. Grant, here's a player who was acquired from uh, the Calgary Flames in the uh, Tyler Toffoli deal. And uh, here's a player who has more experience than some of the other prospects. And I think we saw that in the last week. Yeah, that's that's a good point, Tony. He's a, he's a little older and, and uh, played, you know, played pro a couple of years already in Finland and uh, the AHL. Um, he, he looks like he's got uh, the physical skills, like the the shot and the skating are certainly NHL caliber. Um, you know, he's maybe not the, the greatest dangler or agility wise, but straight ahead, he, he's a very powerful skater and uh, has a great shot. And those two things are going to get you uh, an NHL look at, at some point. I don't think... I think the Habs have about 15 forwards going, you know, that are already uh, vying for spots at the NHL level. So he probably doesn't start the year in Montreal, but certainly I think he'll be in the top six in Laval. And uh, if he keeps developing and uh, rounds out the rest of his game, he's going to get an NHL look pretty soon. A North-South player. 
Like, well, you know, I mean, he's not a, like, he's not Mazar out there, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to be East to West, uh, but he, I mean, he's a big kid, powerful. And, uh, you know, you want wingers that, you know, I mean, Josh Anderson type winger, you know, where you can go, if you, if you're big enough and fast enough to go North, South, go North, South, don't make it uh, too complicated. And, it, and when you have a shot like that, he's certainly got uh, top three line potential at the NHL level. So Yuri Slavkowski, who was drafted first overall, of course, by the Montreal Canadiens, was pretty excited when they drafted his um, fellow countryman, Philip Missar, with the 26th pick overall. And in game one versus the Buffalo Sabres in this rookie showcase, they combined and they combined while on the penalty kill. Let's take a look. Dégagement par la bande. Ça va se rendre à l'autre extrémité. Ça glisse même à la gauche de Warm. Le Slavkovski, ça met en pression en échec avant. Récupère. C'est devant. La passe. La fête. Et le but! En infériorité numérique. Philippe Méchard, c'est 2-0 Montréal. And there you have it. Slavkovski with the presence of mind to know when someone was coming, to know when Messar was actually trailing in the play. And those two, you know, they're able to find each other. And he found him. And Messar actually pots at home. Uh, that was his first. He scored a couple in the showcase. What did you think, first and foremost, of Philip Machar in his game? Uh, really, really was impressed with Machar, but it's not uh, it's not surprising. I watched him a lot last year, and he uh, he was pretty good already at the pro level in Slovakia. Um, I, what I like most about him is his elusiveness. He's just such a uh, his uh, edge work is is elite. Um, fantastic skater, quick and really uh, elusive with the puck. Great, great puck skills and great shiftiness. Um, and he worked hard, you know, they, they, they started him at, at on the wing, but he, he ended up playing center because they want to have a look. You want to have as many guys that, that are, that can be versatile, that can play, you know, both the wing and center. I think that's great, you know, that uh, you develop these guys when they play out. Like, I think he might go back to junior with Kitchener and the hope will be that he plays center. And I mean, uh, the more options that you have, uh, you know, at center, the better. And the, the ones that don't get the spots, they, they move to the wing because it's an easy transition. Um, I think he showed that he's got, he's he's decent away from the puck. He works hard, uh, intelligent, but at that size, the odds are that he's eventually going to end up on the wing. However, you, you want them to, you, you want them to develop a center centerman if that's their natural position and then later on if they don't get an nhl job at center they can easily be uh, shifted to the wing yeah and you talked about obviously the challenges of playing center you're going to have to play a 200 foot game you're going to have to take face-offs it's a different game than playing on the wing where it comes with more responsibility of course and sometimes more responsibility means it takes away from your offense mind you if you historically take a look at the national hockey league and some of the best point getters they're usually playmaking centermen uh, so what's his playmaking ability like? Uh, he's an excellent playmaker. He's got very good vision. Uh, the fact that he can, he can possess a puck. He's got the skill to hold on to the puck until the right play it, you know, until he sees the right play to make a, is a, an essential part of a lot of, uh, NHL centers. Like, uh, you look at a Matt Barzell just as a, you know, as a comparison to somebody that that's, a, that's undersized. Uh, that, uh, you know, has such uh, shiftiness and, and great puck possession skills that he can hold on to it until he sees the right play and the right option. And I think that's, 
that's Mezar's um, uh, ultimate upside. It, it would be as a second line center if you know if Kirby Doc doesn't work out per se, or say uh, Kapanen or Beck aren't better. It's good to have uh, four or five guys with the potential to play second line center behind Suzuki, and uh, Mezar is one of them. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, comment sick, S-I-C-K. It's our way of actually feeling the love that you send for us. If you're listening on audio, please leave us a five-star review and write the word sick once again, S-I-C-K. Thank you very much for that. All right, okay. Now, uh, the one that every that is in everyone's uh, lips and everyone wants to talk about and everyone's minds and all that stuff is your Slavkowski. Of course, being drafted first overall comes with expectations. We can say not to put pressure on the kid but he's going to be under the microscope. He will be from day one and he will be until his very last game with the Montreal Canadiens. In your opinion, did he pass the test at the rookie showcase? And when I say pass the test, my barometer is, does he look like a player who's ready to play in the national hockey league already? And of course, we're really going to know out of camp. I get that pro camp. That is and not a rookie showcase. Um, is this what you expected? Are there any concerns whatsoever? Not really. He, uh, I mean, in the first game, it looked like he ran out of gas in the second half. I think, uh, you know, first game, and he was pumped full of adrenaline. That first period, he was uh, back-checking, forward-checking like, like a fiend. And uh, I think, you know, training all, all, all off-season, putting on an extra 10, 15 pounds of muscle. And then by the, by the end of the second period, he looked like he... Uh, you know, he didn't have much left. I think he expended it all. And uh, I think the Habs also uh, thought that as they as they sat him out in the second game, they said, okay, we he's got to actually rest for a day or two. You know, he's been going hard in the gym, putting on all this muscle and not resting. And uh, he looked a lot more invigorated. The second game he played, uh, he competed for the full 60 minutes uh, on the back check, four check. That's what I was most impressed with, the, uh, his play away from the puck uh, in in the second game, especially he just, uh, you know, he, he's got such great speed and he's so powerful and, and determined. He, he just, eats uh, up the ice, Grant. When he, when he skates, oh, he, he eats up the ice. It looks like does. every time he takes a stride, the ice is in pain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Dave, Dave Oje, who was there uh, for representing recruits was saying like, he can hear the whoosh, whoosh on, you know, <laughs> when when he's going down the ice. And it's funny, the thing he does on um, the back check, I've noticed, and I noticed it last year too, but he did it two or three times, was he sticks the blade of his stick out in front of him like a rudder, almost like. And, and uh, you know, as he's skating back, he just got his head down, and, and he just, you know, he catches guys that are a full line ahead of him on the back check, uh, which is... Uh, Mighty impressive for an 18-year-old, and we have to keep that in mind yes. at all times. He's an 18-year-old playing against other teams, you know, uh, best best rookie prospects that are up yeah. to 23, 24 years of age. I mean, I was looking back because, you know, he's been training for four days, and a lot of people saying, oh, he's a bust because, he, you know, he didn't light it up at the rookie tournament for a couple of games. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's nonsense. I know I know of rookies who actually lit it up at pro camp and went on to have an average career. And some of them <laughs> never ended up playing. So it doesn't make well, a difference. I mean, I don't I don't really pay much attention to that. No, no, that's right. But I mean, yeah. I just just out of curiosity this morning, I had to look back at Connor McDavid's first rookie camp. You mm-hmm. know, did he score five goals? Like, you know, you'd think, well, Slavkos, you know, 
they expect Slavkowski to score three, four goals a game. McDavid had a fluky goal and an assist at the rookie at his first rookie showcase. Yeah, and he's you know, I mean, he's the best player in the NHL. So yeah, uh, I mean, you're 18 years old. You're you know, first time playing. I mean, it's a good level of competition. Like it's, it's yeah. an insult to uh, the other players to to suggest that just because you're the first overall pick at 18, you're supposed to go in there and completely dominate. Because I wasn't expecting that, and you know that's not what we got. But certainly, but, but, but Grant, if I can, yeah, yeah. if I can, pardon me, uh, you're not the first one to tell me that he ran out of gas because when he played, you know, in, in the summer league here at hockey, et cetera, in the three on three, and he played in that final game. Uh, he looked good in the first half of the game. And in the second half of the game, it looked like he was a little bit out of gas. And there's obviously there's two things, right? Number one could be just overall fatigue. Like you've been saying that he's been going all the time and he has not stopped. Number two is, is, is probably more so he puts on the 10 or 11 pounds of muscle. And now you're carrying that extra weight and maybe there's more emphasis on getting bigger than there is working on the cardio aspect. So it begs the question, considering he was already a massive guy and he dominated at the Olympics versus men as a 17-year-old and he was a dominant player at the World Championship versus a lot of players who were NHL players, did he have to put on 10 or 11 pounds of muscle? Well, when you see him, you know, when you see his speed, I don't think it, it's hindered him. What it, what, what I think it is more than anything is that he's got to get in game shape like players always do, you know. Uh, perhaps maybe you put on a little too much muscle, but that, that time will tell on that. And, of course, everyone's, you know, wondering about that. But I, I think, you know, what a lot of players do is they, they, they pack on some muscle in the off season, and then, you know, he won't be – Halfway through this season, he's not going to weigh 238. You know, he's going to be probably 228 or, or something like that. You know, the weight drops as the season goes along. And I think even by trade, by opening night, I wouldn't be surprised if he's down to 230, you know, something in that range. I can't see uh-huh. him. I don't see him by the end of the season being 248. That's for sure, you know. Yeah. And if it I is, know. then he, he's eaten, you know, because I, I did ask him, uh, I interviewed him by email and asked him if he had sampled poutine yet and he said yeah me and me and mess uh, both you know have, have eaten it and it's good i just hope that you know it's not too good <laughs> <laughs> uh listen speaking of good i know that you were high on owen beck when the canadians made the pick um others were less high on him i know uh, your buddy the snake boisvert was <laughs> on this sick podcast and he said that in his opinion um they probably could have gone with other players, um, you know, other than Massar and other than Beck. I think it was Beck, I think, that he said maybe they could have looked somewhere else. But he looks like a guy who just does everything good. Like, he yeah. looks like a student of the game who works hard, wants to get better. He basically kind of – I know he plays a different position because he plays center, but uh, – you know, he reminds me a lot of Lekkinen in, in the respect that Lekkinen's a coach's dream type of thing, right? He just does a lot of things good. Beck seems like the kind of young man who does a lot of things good. That's well put, Tony. I've, I've called him a coach's dream as well before, uh, you know, and I spoke to his coach in, in the offseason, and he, you know, he obviously loves him. Um, and, 
his speed is such an asset. He's like uh, one of the best skaters from the draft class, and it was obvious. Uh, it was on display at the you know the rookie tournament for an eighteen year old kid to be made perhaps the fastest player on the ice is pretty impressive. Uh, in fact, him, Meshire, and Slavkowski were three of the best skaters I thought in the whole tournament. And for uh, you know for three eighteen-year-olds uh, to, to to be able to to do that, I think is a testament to just. I think the Canadians with their first four picks hit it out of the park. Uh, you know, I think that more so now after seeing uh, Meshire and Hudson at the development camp as well. Uh, I think all four of those are gonna. They're all going to be NHL players, and they're all going to be very good ones. And I mean, you're lucky if you can get two out of a draft. They say usually maybe three. I think all four of them are going to be excellent NHL players down the road. Um, you know, the the question mark being Hudson because of his size more so. Yeah. But Beck, uh, Beck, I think, and I tweeted this out is um, I think you're going to see quite an offensive explosion from him in, in his second year. It's really only his second year in the OHL because mm-hmm. because of COVID. Yeah, they didn't play the year before. Yeah, um, and his coach mentioned, you know, pointed that out before that. Yeah, okay, fifty points may not seem great on the surface, but mm-hmm. when you consider, you know, playing a top two center role as a rookie uh, in the OHL yeah. against the other team's top lines and uh, and. This year he'll just be dominant. He think he figures yeah. maybe a hundred point year, and I, I wouldn't doubt it. He looks like he's going to be a thirty five goal scorer at minimum uh, in the OHL this year, and uh, might be more if he doesn't make the World Junior team. But I I have a feeling that he'll be uh, he'll be playing for Canada in, in December. Yeah, and the uh, best face-off man in the OHL, so that's exactly. uh, he's got that going for him as well. Uh, yeah. We'll get back to Slavkowski here, and you said that he's got to get in game shape, so I'll give a shout-out to MatrixHomeFitness.ca, who took care of me because I was able to bring it home, discover a club-quality workout in the comfort of your own home. Visit MatrixHomeFitness.ca, and maybe they can get your eye Slavkowski a treadmill or a bike because it looks like he broke the one that he had at the Habs Combine. All right, okay, <laughs> let's get back to him. We talked about him putting on the, the, the 10 or 11 pounds of muscle. I think he's coming in now at like 6'3 or 6'4, about 238 pounds. Well, uh, he's, you know, when you're the number one pick overall, you're going to be a little bit of a target. And when you're an 18-year-old and you're a big guy, sometimes you usually end up having your head down a lot because you never really exercised the IQ of your game because you got by on such, you know, on your, on your size. Let's take a look at this. He got caught. I think with his head down, he got hit, but he didn't move all that much. And we'll see what happened thereafter as a defense, as a, a teammate came to his defense. Let's take a look. Slavkovsky, s'avance, a frappé un mur en berzola, et c'est le mur qui a craqué. Chekai, on va vers Slavkovsky. La bagarre éclate, c'est Kondota qui jette les gants contre Berzola, qui est venu plaquer Slavkovski, justement. Et Kondota a choisi d'en prendre une pour l'équipe, les juges de ligne qui All right, there you have intervenir. It. So, as, uh, as it was put, uh, Slavkovski hits a wall, and it's the wall who actually got uh, the worst of it. And then Kondota comes in and says, you're not touching my teammate who was drafted first overall. Grant, you know, People have already started now, whether he's going to start in the American Hockey League, start in the National Hockey League, start in the National Hockey League, end up going to the American Hockey League. Um, I believe he'll be respected more in the National Hockey League than in the American Hockey League. I believe in the American Hockey League, he might end up being a target and everyone's going to want to make a name for themselves to try and hit the big 
first pick overall. Would you agree with that assessment? Yes or no? I think, yeah, you know, that that's probably true. I think there's maybe a few more tough guys in the AHL as well at this point, because, uh, you know, you have to be, you have to be pretty good all around player now to play in the NHL with very few exceptions. Yeah. Um, but mind you, conduct Kandota and, and, um, Jack High are probably going to be in Laval and they certainly could, you know, they can both uh, protect him. Uh, I, I was very impressed with Condota coming to his uh, defense there. And, uh, you know, I've heard from uh, when I interviewed several of his former coaches, they talked about how, how this guy's a warrior and, and strong as an ox. And, yeah. you know, you don't see it in college because they don't really fight because they get kicked out of the game, but you're going to see him uh, it, like, He's going to get a reputation in the uh, AHL pretty quickly as being a really tough kid. And, Grant, uh, I think I think you made a good point. Pardon me. I think you made a good point when you talked about the fact that there's more tough guys in the AHL than there is in the National Hockey League. Because in the National Hockey League, if you don't know how to play, chances are you're not going to you're not you're not going to play in the National Hockey League, right? With the exception of maybe a couple who are maybe average level, but are there because they can still fight. But those numbers are going down. Um, yeah. It, it, it helps when you have a Condotta and an Arbor Jacki on your team for sure if he would be playing in Laval. But I, I don't think teams, players wouldn't hit him because he has those guys as teammates. I think they would hit him anyway. Would they end up getting beat up by Condotta or Jacki? They would. But by that point, the damage would already be done, right? So I think you brought up a good point when you say, you know, there's, there's more players in the American Hockey League who probably are those fourth line enforcers than there would be in the national hockey league. And that's why I see him in the national hockey league. And I also see him in the national hockey league. And I've been one to say, like, I like keeping players in the American hockey league level or overseas, but when it's a first pick overall, what happens I find is if you don't start them in the NHL and the second pick and the third pick and the fourth pick, or maybe even the fifth pick are playing, it could hurt your confidence. And we all know Doug Wickenizer was scratched for one game, like the first game of the National Hockey League in 81, right? And versus Denny Savard, and he was never the same after. No. So I, I I think for Slavkovsky's confidence, he's got to play in the National Hockey League. Absolutely. And uh, it's not like he doesn't have the physical skills to do it. I mean, yeah. you saw all that hit, you know. Uh, there's probably very few NHL defensemen that, that can level him even at this point. He's so strong, especially the lower body. But... You know, that said, Eric Lindos was so strong, too. And, uh, you know, it reminded me an awful lot of the, of the Scott Stevens hit on, on Lindros, you know, where yeah. he had his head down coming through the middle of the ice. It was almost a carbon copy of it. And, I mean, it, you know, if, if head is the first point of contact, you know, that's a different hit than, uh, yeah. than what happened there because he didn't get hit in the head first, you know. Grant, but that's that's a concern that I have. Big players, and Slavkovsky's been bigger than everyone he's played against for at least a couple of years. Yeah. When I talked to him, he told me that it's you know he's been the same size for the last two years in terms of height. They right. get by on their physical attributes. They just steamroll other players that they don't have to exercise their hockey brain or their hockey IQ because they rely so much on their physical attributes. They They don't need to rely on anything else eventually that catches up to you. So if you enter the National Hockey League and you're used to stick handling with your head down and stuff like that, you're going to get hit. 
Yeah, I, I don't think he does it all the time. You know, I watched him about 50 games last year and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, on occasion, uh, you know, you saw that. But I think he just wanted to impress so much in that, you know, that first game especially. And he was, you know, that other, you don't have the clip, but the other, uh, I don't know if you saw it or not, the highlight of him, he almost went through all five players yeah. on, on the other team, you know. He was trying a couple of tries, trying a little too hard to impress because uh-huh. he's the first overall pick, you know, as you brought up before. And he wants to, he wants to be beloved and, and you know, he wants to be the best. Uh, what I was most encouraged about was that the problems, the issues that we saw in the first game, uh-huh. um, you know, one of them being that he ran out of gas, didn't see yeah. that in the second game. He, <laughs> he forechecked hard and backchecked hard, right? you know, from the start uh-huh. to the finish. Uh-huh. So I really don't think the weight thing, I think it was more just the case of him. You know what it's like, Tony, you're so pumped up for a, you know, a soccer game or whatever in your past yeah. and you just expend everything in that first and you run out of gas and it's more of a, an adrenaline thing, I think. Yeah. Than anything. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's a game shape, like him being out of shape or anything like that. Cause uh-huh. he's, he's a workout machine in the, in the gym. But the other thing was, he didn't try that fancy cute stuff uh in the second game you know dump it in uh i mean we saw on the shorthanded goal in the first how, how effective he is at, at chasing pucks when they're dumped in and getting to the defenseman and muscling them out of the way and getting he's the unbelievable at protecting the puck oh. he's unbelievable at protecting the puck like he and as yeah. soon as his, his his lower body which is already strong is going to get even stronger yeah. It's going to be almost impossible to take the puck away from this kid in a couple of years. But his, uh, yeah, and his ability, like I think he must have had about six at least takeaways in that second game. His reach, when he gets out and he reaches, he's so strong that he can move a, a guy away with his arms two feet from his from his body with his strength and get the yeah. puck, you know. So, and I think, you know, he already got the message, got the memo from the coaches, they said, uh, dump it in and go get it. You know, use that size and strength and speed. And uh, we saw it in the second game where, you know, he didn't try to get too cute. He, uh, he you know, he's going to have to use that power to his advantage. He, Yeah, he's going to dangle and score some pretty goals, but uh, he's going to be way more effective just utilizing that pure physical uh, size and strength that he has. All right. Okay. Now, an ending. Speaking of size and strength, let's take a look at this guy, uh, Arbor Jackeye. Uh, he took care of business uh, versus uh, a player from the Ottawa Senators. I think we have it here. Let's let's bring it up. Il y a un début d'altercation et c'est la bagarre là qui éclate. Jackeye qui va régler des comptes avec Massicotte. Oh, une droite fracassante d'Arbert. Well, you spoke of adrenaline. I think that's the only reason why Massicott actually got up because, you know, he'd, I don't want to be oh, embarrassed yeah. here. Let me get up. But, I mean, he got hit by Jack the Giant Killer there. This Arbor Jack guy, my God, what's in his fist? Like steel? Like This is one. Wow, wow yeah. this is one mean dude. Well, he's from Hamilton, so, you know, maybe there is steel in there, Tony. Yeah, good yeah. one. I, I call it the Massicott Massacre, you know. Uh, I... I don't like watching that too much, especially when the kid got up. I felt sorry for him because you could just tell, you know, he was in pain. You know, that one rocked him. I think he might have a concussion, but uh, we saw it last year and uh, he's going to be 
an NHL heavyweight someday. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But he, I haven't seen many kids, uh, tougher kids, uh, coming up, uh, especially with the that has the skill. Like I mean, he can skate. He's a excellent skater. Uh, very good one-on-one defender. Decent puck skills. Uh, I mean, he's got it all to be a um, an NHL shutdown defender. I think he's just improved every. He improves every year, you know, uh, leaps and bounds. And uh, there's there's just so much to like about this guy as a uh, as a tough, tough, uh, physical shutdown defender. Um, all right, so pro camp coming up. First preseason game on Monday, September 26th. And first game of the NHL regular season on Wednesday, October 12th. Grant, it's almost here. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for doing this, man. We'll talk to you soon. He's Grant McCabe for... Grant McCag, former Montreal Canadian scout in the Bob Gainey regime and uh, opened up his independent scouting service several years ago. It's recruits.ca and you can get copies of all his work. And just this summer, I, th- I think, he, you know, he spoke to pretty much almost anybody who's anybody within the Canadians prospect pool. And you'll have access to all those interviews and everything and all those articles that Grant did by signing up on recruits.ca. Right, Grant? That's great. Thanks, Tony. Thank you, Grant, and I hope to see you on Saturday, October 1st, as I'm going to be at LaCage with the sick team, and we're going to have some of our collaborators there, and you've collaborated in the past, and I look forward to collaborating with you in the future. So I know it's a couple of hours drive, but if you can make your way down, your meal and your beverages are on me, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. All right. We'll talk to you soon. There you have it, Grant McCag of Recruits.ca. Marinaro, you can follow us on all social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, on um YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel and on Twitter. I'm Marinero, the sick podcast. It's going to get sicker. We'll talk to you about it on Saturday, October 1st. Ciao for now. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, Intense by Nature, and Lakage. If the last time you went to Lakage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lakage. The menu will surprise you. <laughs>